evening. Time being 7 o'clock. I call the February 1st, 2023 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Announcements from the chair. Voting in progress. Voting in progress, Jane. Partially. <laughs> okay, announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone, or you may click the Zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website. The phone number is 929. 205-6099, and then you need to enter the meeting ID number, which is 878-3162-5355, and then you need to hit the pound sign. Once again, the meeting ID is 878-3162-5355. If residents are just interested in watching, it will be also live streamed by Franklin TV. And, okay, thanks Chris for putting up the numbers uh, on the screen. Okay, citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? <laughs> Be nice. I've been disappointed. <laughs> no. Please come forward, name and address, please. Nancy Danello, town clerk. Thank you, Steve. Steve Sherlock, Technologic, Technology Adjustment. <laughs> so just a few things, and I'm super excited about the first one. Tomorrow night, our state representative, Jeff Roy, along with myself, will have the distinct privilege of presenting the Boston Post Cane to our newest recipient, Mrs. Lorraine R. Nasuti Spencer. I'm sure a lot of us know her here. She's our oldest resident. She was born May 11, 1921. She'll be 102 in May, God bless her. Mrs. Spencer was born here in Franklin on her family homestead on North Park Street the youngest of 10 children. She has many fond memories of growing up here in Franklin during the Depression, including time spent at her family store, 
attending Franklin Public School and the many activities throughout the town that she was involved in. Mrs. Spencer graduated from Franklin High School in 1939. After graduating, she worked for many years at the Curity Mills in Walpole and aided in the war effort by making airplane parts. In 1954, Lorraine married Matthew Spencer and together they raised seven children, most still residing here in Franklin. Sadly, Matthew passed away in 1972. Lorraine then began working at Dean Junior College, retiring in 1986. Mrs. Spencer has 16 grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren, who continue to share her love of cooking and follow her delicious Italian recipes, though never making it quite as good as Granny did. So, a huge congratulations to Mrs. Spencer and her family, who will also be attending um, tomorrow night. Second one, the annual town census. Most of you probably have received them this week in your mail, right? Yep. yep. Okay, so it's important to please review all of the data on the census. Make sure if you have any corrections to make them directly on the census form and then sign the census and mail it back to us as soon as possible. Remember, if a family member has moved, a registered voter has moved and no longer lives in Franklin, crossing him off the list is not enough. I can't delete that individual off of the voter roll without his or her signature. So please, if possible, make sure you get their signatures. We are also in the process of dog registration. Remember to register those pups, Tom. Riley got yes. hers today, <laughs> by April 1st, to avoid any late fees. And as always, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us. The number is 508-520-4900. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? <coughs> Seeing none, is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Okay, moving on. Next item on the agenda is approval of minutes. I'd entertain a motion to approve the minutes from January 18th. So moved. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, proclamations and recognitions, we don't have any this evening. Appointments, we have two this evening. And I'd ask the fire chief to please come forward. Good evening, Chairman, members of the Town Council. Tonight, I have the pleasure of introducing our newest firefighter paramedic, Kristen Krause, and we have our new EMS Battalion Chief, William Blanchett. Step forward. <coughs> Kristen, if you could take a step forward. Kristen grew up and lives in the town of Menden. She has members of her family in the fire service, including her dad, Bill, 
and brother John, who are both lieutenants with the Hopkinton Fire Department, as well as her sister-in-law, Becky, who is an Uxbridge firefighter. Additionally, her uncle is Chief Bill Miller of the Hopkinton Fire Department, who I would like to acknowledge who is with us here tonight. Kristen initially worked in daycare for approximately eight years and went to college at Framingham State University, where she earned a bachelor's degree in psychology. Her family's dedication to the fire and medical service inspired Kristen to do more. She started on a small call department for the town of Hopedale and eventually graduated from the Mass Fire Academy Call Volunteer Academy and earned her EMT license. After working for a private ambulance in Worcester, Kristen applied to paramedic school. Throughout paramedic school, she worked as a tech on the pediatric floor at the UMass Trauma Center. Kristen is scheduled to begin at the Mass Fire Academy on March 27th. After being sworn in by our clerk, Kristen's badge will be pinned on by her father, Lieutenant Bill Krauss, Hopkinton Fire. Hi, Kristen. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand and repeat after me, okay? Can you hear me? Can everyone hear me? Yes. I, Kristen Krauss, I, Kristen Krauss, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, to faithfully execute the duties, to faithfully execute the duties, as a firefighter paramedic, as a firefighter paramedic, for the town of Franklin, for the town of Franklin, with respect, with respect, integrity, integrity, and excellence, and excellence, and to uphold the mission, and to uphold the mission of the department, of the department, the constitution, the constitution. The statutes and regulations of the United States of America. The statutes and regulations of the United States of America. And the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And the Charter and Bylaws of the Town of Franklin. And the Charter and Bylaws of the Town of Franklin. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations. Thank you. Next we have Bill Blanchard. Bill Blanchard is being promoted tonight uh, to the first ever EMS Battalion Chief for the history of the Franklin Fire Department. He certainly deserves, deserves this distinction with his dedicated work ethic each and every day. Bill is a lifelong re Franklin resident where he lives with his wife of 18 years, Carol. Together they have a daughter, Jacqueline, who is 17, and a son, Jake, who is 15. Bill has a bachelor's degree in aviation science with a concentration in management from Bridgewater State University. Bill worked in the financial services industry for 13 years before earning his paramedic certificate in 2012. That same year, Bill joined the Attleboro Fire Department 
starting his career in the fire services as a firefighter paramedic. In 2013, Bill was able to transfer to his hometown and join the Franklin Fire Department. Bill has participated in a public education initiative, working with the Franklin school children and Franklin seniors population. Bill has served as the treasurer of the Franklin, Franklin Firefighters Association Local 2637 for the past seven years. Bill is trained as a basic designated infection control officer for the department. He is also credentialed as a fire prevention officer level one, fire officer level two, fire instructor one, and incident safety officer through the Massachusetts Department of Fire Services, where he continues to attend classes. After being sworn in by our clerk, Chief Blanche's badge will be pinned on by his wife, Carol. I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand and repeat after your name. I, William Blanchard. I, William Blanchard. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. To faithfully execute the duties. Do faithfully execute the duties. As an EMS battalion chief. As an EMS battalion chief. For the town of Franklin. For the town of Franklin. With respect. With respect. Integrity. Integrity. And excellence. And excellence. And to uphold the mission of the department. And to uphold the mission of the department. The Constitution. The Constitution. The I'm sorry. The statutes and regulations of the United States of America. The statutes and regulations of the United States of America. And the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And the Charter and Bylaws. And the Charter and Bylaws. Of the Town of Franklin. Of the Town of Franklin. So help me God. So help me God. located at 353 Lincoln Street. Clerk will read the license transaction. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is a license transaction for new common pictures. Uh, subsection 15, all alcohol beverages, retail package store license for Mad Deli Incorporated, doing business at Daisy's Market in Delhi, uh, 353 Lincoln Street, Franklin, Mass. 02038. 
Matt Daly Incorporated doing business as Aces Market and Deli seeking approval for new subsection 15 all alcoholic beverages. Retail package to license and to approve the manager's card for me. All departments have signed off on this application and this is a motion to approve the request by Matt Deli Incorporated, DBA Daisy's Market and Deli for new section 15 all, all alcoholic beverages retail package to license and approve Scott Corby as the manager. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, so this is uh, pretty straightforward, but uh, as outlined in the packet, um, this is the uh, special legislation that was filed by the council in the fall. And I um, just want to give uh, a shout out to uh, Rep. Roy and Senator Spilka and Senator Rausch for getting this done so quickly. I think it literally got done on the second to last day of the legislative session, uh, which is huge because if that had not got done, we'd be back here now filing the bill again, waiting for it to go through the process. So um, their efforts are, are certainly appreciated. Uh, but as outlined earlier um, uh, in October, um, the legislation does not provide the license, the pro provides to come back to have a hearing at the council level to authorize the license. The legislation did not grant it automatically. It still comes back to the local licensing authority and is also outlined uh, here in the license transaction and in the memo. Uh, as per usual, all departments have uh, signed off on this uh, application. Happy to answer any questions uh, that folks may have. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman, to uh, Town Administrator. I, I see after we approve this, we have a year to um, grant it, but it would be approved right away. Through, yeah, that's correct. It would go to the ABCC and turnaround time through Mr. Chairman. The turnaround time is about six weeks these days. Okay. And last question for people at home. This will open up another beer and wine to give out, correct? No. All alcohol. All alcohol. No, no, once he gets up, his, oh, his beer and wine. It, he, if it gets through, Mr. it gets forfeited. So it just disappears. It does not stay on our quota. It replaces that one entirely. Oh, so we will not have a okay. beer be, The town will not have another plus one for beer and wine. Um, Mark? Because yes. his original beer and wine license is also because of special legislation. It's not one of Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. Thank you. That clarifies that. Thank you, uh, Mr. Searle. You all set, Council All set, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Any questions or comments? Oh, I'm sorry. Kobe. Uh, Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, thank you. How often uh, do these come up? around the state, sort of extending the, the cap on package storage. Mr. Chairman, I have to imagine if you look at the House docket on a daily basis up in the legislature, these are on there, I think, all the time. Um, and just for the public's edification, um, every 10-year census, uh, a lot of state formulas and other things are redrawn, and um, there is a what's called a quota of all alcohol and package store licenses, beer and wine of each category um, that each town can have. Um, some elected officials some 40 years ago in the town of Franklin, um, when the state had a one-time sign-up to have no quota, not on package stores, but on restaurant licenses, some officials for the Franklin town of Franklin voted to have no quota um, for restaurant licenses. So essentially, that is a huge competitive advantage for the town of Franklin. That is not the same for package store licenses. Um, we are only one of a couple dozen communities in the whole state who have no quota on restaurant licenses. 
So what you'll see up in the legislature, your question of do these happen often, oftentimes, most of the time, most of the home rules revolve around economic development of a planned mall or something like that, and a restaurant needs that license. Uh, and so that's more common, I think, up there. Uh, but Franklin doesn't see that ever because we have no quota. Attorney Sorrell? Just to complete the package, when you get these type of uh, licenses, it, they're generally personal to the applicant. At best, they can transfer them to somebody at that particular location if they sell the business, but they don't float, they don't come back to the town uh, if, they, if they're no longer being used by, the, by whoever was issued to them. Thank you, Attorney Sorrell. Council Frangillo, Thank you, Thank you Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through the chair, uh, I think probably, well, one, I just want to make one comment that in the, Mass the Municipal Massachusetts Association meet annual meeting, one of the priorities in the legislative package includes municipal control over the number of liquor licenses so that we wouldn't have to go back to um, the state house and ask to have um, for the for a home rule petition, so that's one of the things that hopefully is going to get will probably get changed this year. But you know, we don't. Who really knows? We can't like put any money down. We can't yeah, bet, we'll Brian. Bet. I don't know. <laughs> if you um, but I had a question about um, so the the process because you know we the amount of licenses that we have is regulated by how many people are in our town. Um, the last census are our um, population decreased. What, is there like any possibility that some of these licenses could get revoked because we have less people or is it, um, or are they safe? I guess it's like, because it, it could be um, a risk. I don't, that's kind of what my question is about. Mr. Chairman, the quick answer is uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I think there would be a pretty stiff lobbying effort from a lot of angry people who have invested you know, their life in whatever business it is and had that revoked. Uh, I do anticipate, uh, but I can't commit to this because I don't know, but I would anticipate that the town would not see any increase in its package store quota just because you have to hit population thresholds in order to do those. So from a package store perspective, off-premise consumption, um, you know, this would be the format we, the council here would have to do for the foreseeable future. Okay, thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Any other questions or comments from the council? Anyone in council chambers? Seeing none. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Please come forward. Name and address, please. Uh, my name is Kyle Vieira. I'm actually counsel for Lincoln Street Marketplace, who is a licensee that's 0.2 miles down the road from this new proposed store. Um, I'm going to keep this simple. Under in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, really, the board is supposed to look at here whether or not there's a public need for another public for another all alcohol but license here. And the facts of the matter here are there is no public need for another license when there's a all alcohol store 0.2 miles down the road. And I understand that this board has previously denied licenses or similar licenses on the basis of you know <coughs> proximity to existing stores. And this store is in a quiet area of town. I don't see why the town of Franklin needs another all-alcoholic beverage license in a quiet area of town when it's already more than adequately serviced by the existing store in the area. And I do understand that the petitioner here has made arguments that he would like to sell uh, products such as high news or vodka sodas, things of that nature. 
but you know, quite frankly, that doesn't really matter because competition really doesn't matter. It's public need for the town of Franklin. And the town of Franklin does not have a public need for this store. So I'm not really quite sure why we're here. This is also a special legislation license. It's not a quota license. So there's more scrutiny given to some sort of license that's given through a legislative process that's not given by you know, the quota of population, which is actually, as we've said, decreasing. So you know, our position is there is no need for this license. And you know, the town of Franklin should deny it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Please? Just identify name and address, please. Yeah, hi. Um, my name is Tarav Nayak, and I, I am a part of this industry. I have businesses around, and I've seen a lot of approvals and disapprovals of licenses and stuff like that. There was a big license move that was supposed to happen between one of the stores that didn't go through. I, I always keep tabs of different towns' agenda, so just part of my knowledge, you know? So I saw this, this item on a Franklin agenda, and I thought, why don't I go check it out, what's happening? Because generally, when these kind of license, because when these kind of transfer happen, there's a possibility where the recipient party might try to you know, move forward with it. Because if they don't have a capability of running it, or if they don't have a capability of competing with the neighbor, they might try to sell it. So I thought maybe I'd go and you know, witness this thing. And to be honest with you, I've never seen such a relaxed, uh, special legislation getting approved. I've been to a lot of town meetings, and it's a pretty uh, commonly. It's, I think it's going to be given it to them, and I, I think that they should look more in detail. That what is other purpose behind something like this would be? Um, just ready to. I mean, I, I understand every five thousand population there is one license. I know the regulation part of it. I know how the legislations are getting passed and so forth. But this looks pretty relaxed, honestly. You know, so. And, and if something is well served, I'm in the business. There is enough competition in the market. They don't need more package store, I swear to God. Because the margins are getting thinner and thinner in the business as well. So I, I don't think that there is a monopoly here where customers are getting you know, less competition and they're getting charged more money. My friend also on you know, few, I, I, I know a lot of people in the business. I know many people who own stores around here too, in Franklin, matter of fact. I don't think it's good, you know. I don't think you need more license. I mean, look into it more detail. Maybe ask your neighbors. Do they, are they well served? Are they getting ripped off? Maybe a neighbor don't want a fireball lift thrown into his neighborhood, you know, I don't know. Check it out, but that's my view on it. I don't think you guys should approve this thing. It's not good. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in, uh, just name and address, please. <clears throat> Larry Sullivan, 561 Lincoln Street. And I second what he said. As an iron worker working in many cities, I'd rather not see the place turn out like a Jamaica Plain, where there's a liquor store and a pizza joint every corner. Thanks. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Please. Just name and address, please. Dharmista Patel, Three Natalie Circle in Franklin. Um, I work for a liquor store. I know it. And I see it in my neighborhood and everywhere else too. The little nips are everywhere. And I've seen, Link I go to Lincoln Street Market, I sometimes work there too. And I see no point in two point mile daisies to have a liquor, full liquor license to compete with a neighborhood town. I mean, customers are very well liked, very well served in that gas station slash convenience store, which a lot of kids come to. 
You don't need another liquor license within the school district to have full license there when we already have one which has good relationship with the town, people, and the community. So if, if a complaint comes along, oh, I see too many nips on the side, do we need another store to do the same for our neighborhood to go and pick up on nips on the things? And there's plenty of liquor store in Franklin. I've been in residence of Franklin for 43 years, and I've seen so many liquor stores come and go, but not that close in two-point mile a liquor store is always said it can't be one more than a five mile distance or less. It's never been like that. So I don't see the approval of legislation to say, okay, 2.2 miles, you can have another liquor store. It's, it's not compatible for anybody. To raise prices, this, it's not convenient for anybody, any customers or anything like that. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers? Just name and address, please. I'm Scott Corby at Daisy's. I just wanted to explain the situation for everybody, too. It's everybody wants competition, or saying there's too much competition. It helps bring the neighborhood together. I sell food, I sell beer and wine as it is now. The market is trending the opposite way from the beer in the market industry and the wine that's going into the ready-to-made drinks. All I'm trying to do is make a living like everybody else and be competitive to help my customers stay in one location where they don't have to go to get sandwiches or steaks or whatever and then go to another store. That's all I really have to say and I just thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. <clears throat> Is there anyone else? Okay. Oh, sorry. Please, name and address, please. My name is Trunal Contractor, and I'm one of the owner of uh, Lincoln Street Market that we are coming here to oppose for the liquor license. Now, just uh, the shop owners say there's a competition, wants to take competition, but the competition doesn't matter. It's too close to, uh, to our two liquor stores. And recently, I was on a Facebook page on a town, and people are complaining about the nips. And I saw one of the comment. It says that when the Tacey's market used to be a liquor store, they are in the neighborhood, there are too many nips that they have to control, and that kind of problem. So if we adding on the, on the liquor store, that might increase another same kind of problem in the future. So we're here right. to oppose the license. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience? Please come forward, name and address. My name, my name is Amy Brescia. I'm a, a resident of Franklin. I work for Martinetti Company. It's a liquor wholesaler. All I have to say is there, you can't control trash. You can't control nips. Where they're located at 345 Lincoln Street, they're closer to the schools than Daisy's Market is. So I mean, we can't really control. They're talking about kids. Kids aren't showing up there buying alcohol. But again, we can't control liquor, we can't control trash anywhere you buy purchase alcohol. So, I mean, we just want a fair, Scott just needs a fair uh, way to, you know, be competitive with everybody else, bring the neighborhood together, have all his customers shop in one store, 
and not have to go to multiple places. That's all he's asking for. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience? Okay, seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to Public hearing public hearing What's in public hearing? Mm -hmm. It's a license, it license transaction. No, it's a public hearing. It was a publication newspaper that was noticed to apply as it's a public hearing. Uh, it was never put on our agenda. Well, that I mean, way. that's why we've always, it's always been listed as a separate liquor transaction, <clears> but it is. I thought we had public hearing before on this. <clears throat> yes, we did. In October and November, we had a public hearing on this. For requesting the special home rule legislation. Yeah. It came back for a process to determine whether you were actually going to issue the license. You were given the authority by the legislature after a hearing with notice to go ahead and issue the license if you wanted to. Because this has been a public hearing. Okay. I'd like to yeah. see this gotten together before we have a meeting. Sure. So that I get the proper, I mean, everybody sees the agenda. And we look foolish when we're sitting here and you're coming in at the last minute telling us this. So in the future, please, I'd like to see our attorney as well as our town administrator review, review the agendas and make sure they're correct before they go up. Okay, I'll declare the public hearing closed. Does that cover us legally? Yes. Okay. Now we'll, the vote will come on the motion to approve the liquor, uh, all alcoholic beverage retail package store license and approval of Scott Corvey as the manager. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. No. Motion carries. The next is transfer of section 15, wine and malt beverage package store license and approval of Rushank Patel as the manager at 660 Central LLC doing business as mobile located at 660 West Central Street. Clerk will read the transfer. The license transaction. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, license transaction transfer of subsection 15 wine and malt beverages package store license for 660 Central Street LLC doing business as mobile at 660 Central Street, Franklin, Mass. 02038, 660 Central LLC DBA mobile, seeking approval for transfer to its an existing subsection 15 wine and malt beverage package store license. Presently held by Uzu Corporation, DBA Franklin Mobile, to be exercised in the same location and approved the Pledge of Liquor License. Approved the manager, Shank Patel. All departments have signed off on this application. This is a motion to approve the request by 660 Central LLC, DBA Mobile, for transfer to an existing subsection 15 wine and malt beverages package to a license. Presently held by Uzu Corporation, DBA Franklin Mobile to be exercised at the same location and to approve the Pledge of Liquor License and to approve the manager, Arsenk Patel. Second. Motion and second, and I will declare this public hearing open. Discussion, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So this is a, uh, a transaction that um, is three transactions in one. Obviously the change of the approval of manager, 
the pledge of the liquor license and, uh, and the transfer of the license over uh, from Mobile Corp to the folks here tonight. I know they're represented by council, and I'm not sure if they have anything else they want to add. If you'd like to add, please, just identify yourself. Absolutely, Mr. Chair. Uh, my name is Tom Miller. I'm from McDermott Colty Miller in Boston. Here uh, on behalf of the applicant, uh, I'm joined by Andy Patel and Vershak Patel, who is the proposed manager of record. Uh, they are excited for this opportunity to come to the town of Franklin and to um, uh, begin their business operations here uh, if the board will approve this transfer. Um, they both have experience in the industry, uh, working for more than two and a half years in, in Uxbridge uh, at a family store uh, and other stores in different areas of the country. Um, they have operated in, uh, these stores over that time period without incident. They're good quality operators. Uh, Virchak is a U.S. citizen. He is TIP certified. Uh, he has, as stated, experience in the food and beverage industry with the sale and service of alcohol, as well as the management of a retail package store. Uh, he is also familiar with the ABCC rules and regulations for the sale and service of alcohol, the town's rules in and of themselves. Um, as part of this transaction, uh, transaction we, as stated, are uh, asking for a pledge of license to the Rockland Trust Company um, to secure the financing for this overall transaction. Um, and as part of this um, transaction, they are also, uh, they take uh, the sale and service, uh, well, the sale, um, seriously, they are going to be implementing uh, scanner technology at the store to ensure that there is no sale to minors. Uh, all purchases of alcohol will, um, will involve the scanning of uh, licenses um, for those transactions. Um, they have successfully operated licenses uh, in the state and uh, outside of it. They are quality applicants who are excited to come to the town. Um, and we want to thank you for taking the time to hear us tonight and hear this application. And we're happy to answer any questions uh, the board has. Thank you very much. This, uh, since this is a public hearing, I'll go to the public first. Is there anyone in the council chambers that would like to speak uh, to this license transaction? Is there anyone uh, out in Zoom land that would like to <clears throat> speak on this license transaction? I'll go to the council. Is there anyone in the council that has any questions? I will declare the public hearing closed. And I'll now ask for a vote on the motion to the for the transfer of Section 15 wine and malt beverage package store license and approval to Rashank Patel as the manager at 660 Central LLC, doing business as mobile located at 660 West Central Street. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck. Stop by any time. <laughs> okay, moving on, uh, the next item on the agenda is presentation and discussion, and it's, uh, we have fortunate to have the Tri-County School Building Project, Karen McGuire, the Tri-County Superintendent, is here with us. Um, Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Do you need me to come up? <laughs> I'll put Karen. The button. <laughs> Jamie, did you have a, uh, anything you wanted to add before Karen started? Uh, yeah, really quickly. Um, so just for the folks watching at home, um, before we jump right into the presentation, um, as many in the community may be aware, uh, the Wright County uh, Regional School has been looking at a school building project for many, 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 many years. Um, this is by far the furthest along um, that uh, the uh, school district and school committee brought forth. Um, and so we invited in um, Superintendent Cameron McGuire and the staff um, uh, to do an overview and a presentation of what the game plan looks like and uh, some of the details. So take it away. All right, thank you very much. And thank you, Council Members, for having us here. Uh, I'm Karen McGuire from Tri-County, and to my left is Dan Haynes. He's our, our business manager. And to my right, uh, we have Dr. Peter Wernicke, who's a member of the Town of Franklin and our, one of our school committee representatives. And hiding in the audience is uh, Jen. Jen D'Angelo, who's our newest uh, school committee member from the town of Franklin. So uh, thanks for having us here, and uh, thank you, Jamie. As, as, as Jamie had indicated, uh, Tri-County had put in for the, uh, to be accepted into the MSBA building project pipeline a number of times. I think the first time that they tried was in 2016. Uh, this is my, I'm just starting my second year. Um, actually, not just starting, I'm kind of halfway through my second year. It's flying by. Um, as the superintendent at Tri-County. And I came to Tri-County uh, just after uh, the school had been accepted into the MSBA pipeline uh, for the core renovation project. So Tri-County, as you know, uh, is right here in Franklin, right up, right up the street. And we serve the students uh, from 11 member communities throughout the area. Uh, we're a school of about 1,000 kids, uh, high school, uh, 9 through 12, vocational high school. And we've been there since started to be built in 1974 or so, opened in 1977, and uh, have served the students of the area ever since then. A lot of your, in fact, um, a lot of our, your, your business owners here in town, Tri-County graduates, we have one that's opening up a restaurant right across the street here, um, The Shed, that, that mm -hmm. restaurant, he's a Tri-County uh, Tri graduate, so it's nice to see when they come and give back to the community. So as far as the MSBA pipeline goes, the project process uh, is in eight steps, and it spans over a number of years. Again, the eligibility piece was, was uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, they formed the project team, and then once we were invited into the project pipeline, we completed what was called the feasibility study. And if you've ever done projects uh, of your own, which I know you have here in the town of Franklin, uh, you know that how that process works, where you have to, uh, you come with your ideas and you still have to investigate whether you're looking at a remodel, a remodel with an addition, or a new building. When I was hired at Tri-County a year ago, uh, Dr. Rennie was one of the people that interviewed me, and they were very um, focused on Tri-County being a remodel. In, in fact, that the school that I had come from, that was, that was what my, my experience was, to tell you the truth. And to run a school while it's being remodeled is not an easy thing to do. Uh, so they were, they were looking for someone that had that experience because to be honest with you, that, that's what we thought we were looking at. We thought we were looking at a renovation while kids were in the building. After going through the feasibility study, um, it, it came to, it came to uh, when we had to examine the, the possibility of a, of a new building, 
Uh, it came to light that actually building a new building was just as uh, expensive as a renovation with a remodel or, or just a renovation. I'll skip to the slide and then I'll go back. But this slide demonstrates to you uh, what we came up with with the, with the construction that the, the um, architect and our OPM had come up with when going through that year-long feasibility study of our property. Uh, to do just a base repair of the Tri-County building, and that is to just, as you know, as soon as you start doing anything, you need to bring the whole building up to code. Uh, we're looking at $165 million in, uh, dollars for just, just that sort of a, a project. If we were to not be with the MSBA, if we were to just do the repairs on our own, that's what we would be looking at, the $165 million. The first uh, renovation that MSBA would contribute to would be a renovation of the existing structure, and that came in at $279, close to $280 million. The renovation with an addition in the back, which would, in, uh, which would involve some of the instructional space and give us some more capacity in the back for programming, was the most expensive option at $282 million. And a new construction uh, on the property would it came in at 200 and 280,000 as well. If you look at this slide, you can see right in the, the center of that yellow. That yellow outlines the Tri-County property line, give or take. And the building in the middle is our current facility. It's a, a long building with two wings that come off each side. And the wings that come off each side are where we house m many of our vocational programs. If you've ever been to Tri-County, you, you know, or worked there, you know, uh, you know exactly what uh, what that looks like. Uh, we do have two stories. We have a library, uh, media center, up in an auditorium on the second floor. Many of our academic classrooms are on the second floor. Uh, but we've not done other than other than a roof project that was a couple of years ago in, in um, 1986. They had done some major major uh, work to the auto, to the um, gymnasium. Other than that, the structure as it was built in the 70s is still what you see today. Um, a lot of the infrastructure work that would have needed to be done to retrofit the building was really what added to that cost of a brand new building, uh, I'm sorry, of a renovation rather than a brand new building. We looked at many areas on the property to see where would it make the most sense to build a new building. Uh, what we were trying to avoid was putting the building close to the neighbors. If you live on any of the roads that go, go around Tri-County, the last thing that you want to do is have a three-story building now in your backyard where it was once fields. So we very much tried to keep that in, in mind when we were, when we were preparing uh, the schematics for, the, for the, what would be the new building. The proposal that we have now is a rectangular shaped building that would be up, if you, if you look back at this model, you can see where the solar panels are now. The proposal is to put this building exactly where the solar panels are and then build parking lots in front of it and put the fields where the existing building was. The solar panels would incorporate back through the project somehow, most likely on the roof and through carports throughout the property and then maybe in some other areas. But the idea is to incorporate those as well because we certainly use those uh, in our energy um, efficiency at Tri-County. As I said, it would be a rectangle-shaped building with a courtyard in the middle, our high bay vocational programs, things like automotive, metal fabrication, engineering, ele uh, electricity, carpentry, and so forth, would be on the first floor with academic classrooms and science labs across the hall so that we could get more integrated teaching into the curriculum uh, for both vocational programs and our academic areas. 
the auditorium and the locker rooms would also be on the first floor. Another piece of this building, and again, if you've been to Tri-County, you know that in order to come to our culinary program or cosmetology or graphics or any of our vocational programs that service the, the area, you actually come right into the school building. You're walking in where the kids are in class, and uh, in the 1970s, that was a good idea, but in 2023, it's not such a good idea to just open the building and have people come in. This model would give us an opportunity to have a customer entrance that's locked into that area where only cosmetology, culinary, and our early ed program would be, uh, that only have access to those areas. And then a main entrance for the students to enter and teachers to enter the building. The second floor would be the lower bay vocational programs that we call them. Those would be the programs that don't necessarily need to have trucks pull into them. Graphic communications, health careers, medical, dental, and legal protective, those kinds of programs. But again, with the same concept of having the classrooms across the hall so that they could do integrated lessons between academic and vocational programs. The um, gym would actually be on the second floor, and then the library learning commons would be on the second floor above the, uh, above the, the offices as well. Because of the 1,000 students that we have at Tri-County, we would need to also add a third level of that floating uh, area that you, that you see would be a third story in the front of the building only to consist of academic classrooms so that we would be able to have the, the vocational and academic programs like we do now where we have academics on one week for the students for half of the students and vocational on the other, you know, they flip back and forth. Uh, so Dan's going to go over some of the important dates for you. Uh, one of them that I do want to point out is that, um, although it's not here on the slide, we are having an information session for all of our current parents and incoming parents on March 15th. We've had three community presentations already that we've invited members of the general public, public to come. Uh, and we're doing one specifically for our, our, um, our own current parents and the parents of the incoming eighth graders as well and that will be on march 15th members of the council pleasure to be here for you tonight um, so we have some, some important dates um, we'll have our next community presentation that'll be number four um, in the main may or june timeline um, this is closer to the end of schematic design and we're just in the beginning of that process We'll have our second town clerk's information breakfast. We have already had one of those. We hosted that at Tri-County to talk about the, the vote, the process for the vote. And I'll talk about that a little, in a little bit. Um, of course, we'll continue with our joint school and uh, school building committee meetings throughout the spring. Our preliminary schematic design report is due to the MSBA board uh, late May, early June, um, for them to look it over, um, give their approval. Um, that is slated for the August timeline. The August MSBA board meeting is when they would hopefully get their approval of the design. Um, and from that point, we have 120 days to secure a vote. And let me talk a little bit about the vote. Uh, our district agreement um, calls for a district ballot election for this type of vote. Um, that's chapter 71, six, section 16N. Um, so in that process, all the towns of the 11 member communities vote at the same time on the same ballot question. Anytime from four to eight hours. Um, it's our second meeting with the town clerks will determine how many hours that 
uh, voting session will last. Um, it's up to the town to determine how many precincts you'd like to have open. Um, but it is um, simple majority vote of the member members um, voting members that come out uh, of the 11 communities that would pass the, the project. Um, the debt issue would be a 30-year bond. And the debt repayment is based on student enrollment October 1st in each year, which makes a lot of sense because it's the, the students that will be attending the school throughout the, um, the life of the building that should, you know, those member communities should be paying in, in accordance with that enrollment. Um, the last item does not affect you. There's an assumed uh, five pupil minimum for capital debt assessment in our agreement. Um, it does apply to one of our communities, but uh, obviously that was practical. So the last slide is, uh, these, these are our October 1st, uh, 22 enrollment uh, numbers uh, compared with the October 2021 numbers. The 22 numbers have not been certified yet by the state, uh, but I did want to present those just to give you an idea of what those, the changes are, especially for Franklin. You have seven additional students uh, this year. Uh, these 10-1-22 numbers will be used to uh, secure the, the appropriation and the allocations for the 2024 budget upcoming. All right, so I just want to go back to this slide. All right, so this is the, the timeline and the slide for, well, there we go. Okay, so this is the timeline where, where, where you see that star that's in the middle that is where we are right now in the project, those eight steps that I spoke of that are, that are in this project. The year 2023, we're at the place where we've submitted the preferred schematic design to the MSBA, and as Dan said, uh, they'll have a good idea in the late spring what the uh, budget, the real numbers would be. The numbers that we gave to you today are what they call order of magnitude numbers. Those are not the scope and budget numbers. Those are just the rough uh, estimate that the MSBA, conservative estimate, we hope, uh, that the MSBA gives on the building project based on square footage. They'll, as we're finalizing the design, they will come up with what the real scope and budget is and we'll have those late spring. And again, they'll vote on that at their August, end of August meeting. Uh, from there, we'll move into <clears throat> next year, into 2024, and you can see what the, what the, uh, timeline, um, each step of the timeline as, as we go along by year. So when Dan speaks of the, the impact of the project, if approved, uh, on the taxpayers here in the town of Franklin and our other 10 members, it's 2027 uh, that, we, that we anticipate that being part of the, part of the assessment for the towns. Um, so we just wanted to come out a little, you know, while we're moving along with the project to let you know where we are and uh, not wait to the end and say here, you know. Thank you. See that school? Yeah. So, yeah, because we do. We understand it's a big proposition and, you know, um, honestly, these schools were built on a land grant 50 years ago. Uh, it wasn't the towns that subsidized them. It was the state and federal government. So, um, and I don't know what they thought was going to happen. They wrote it into the agreement that the towns would be responsible going forward, but um, I know in my town we didn't put $10 a month away for 50 years for our old colony building, and I suspect that didn't happen here either. So 
we're all in the same boat. There are all these schools are timing out at the same time. They were all built at the same time, and they all uh, there's 26 of them in the state. Tri County is one of 26. Only two have been rebuilt, uh, but but here we are. So uh, we are here for your questions. Now. Thank you. Uh, questions from the council. Councilor Hamilton. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you so much for being here tonight. I um, I went through went to your website and I noticed all those photographs of all the crumbling bricks mm -hmm. and um, all the um, areas where people with disabilities can't get. And I, and then you brought up the fact that the that the customers go in where the students are too. Like um, there's a lot that needs to get fixed. Uh, I think it's a good idea to do it without disrupting the students. Like the, so your plan is to be able to, be able to build the school behind the existing school, right? And then you're gonna take that down, like what? Yes. What, I don't, is that in the timeline too? Did I miss it? Yeah, so it's, it's, um, the, it's, it's, right, it's the second one up from the end. Okay. It's the existing building demo work and site work. So um, that, is is part of the timeline 2027 and yeah it, it, it is and and again that wasn't the thought we didn't think that we didn't think we'd be here today talking about this we really did think that it was going to be in fact i was told no in certain terms that we weren't there was not going to be a new, <laughs> there was not going to be a new building and um and yeah so but here we are and um it, there, there's a lot that needs to be done there. It's true. It's a broken building. Right? Yeah. There's just no way around it. It, it is. And I think everyone should go look at your, your website that you put on this uh, presentation to really notice it. Um, I just wanted to say, I was going to ask you about the solar field, and I'm, grit, and I'm glad that you're going to keep that or incorporate that into the building. Um, I love the green roof, and um, I was wondering if you were going to if you would be doing other green things like a geothermal or some kind of fun, um, exciting green building like that. Yeah, so we, we are trying to incorporate as, as much green energy as we can in our programs and in the building. Uh, it's certainly an industry, uh, many industries that incorporated into, into the, green, the green energy right now. Uh, there are some grant opportunities that we're, we're kind of going back and forth with, uh, both federally and through the state of Massachusetts, to see if we can offset some of that piece of it. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, uh, especially with relocating those solar panels, we have a call next week that uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that to see if we can get some programming involved with the grant program involving our kids to try to get that project done, uh, and that, that it wouldn't be folded into the cost of this. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Fungello. Yeah, thank you. Through you. Thank you very much uh, for being here presenting on this. Uh, I was wondering how, I, I guess, said two questions. One, one is around grants that uh, you had just touched upon. It's my sense that with exponentially rising college costs and new clean energy sort of labor vocational workforce needs uh, that the, both the state and federal government would be having a renewed uh, resurgence of support for vocational and technical schools. Are you seeing grant opportunities that reflect that? Yes. Or do you expect them? Yeah, so, so we, that's a great question. And, and 
And someone's going to think that I asked you to ask me that. <laughs> because I'll talk to you about some legislation. But there, um, we, we, we have seen that. In fact, with Governor Baker, over the eight years, we saw an increase in uh, what were called capital skills grants, which were uh, aimed right towards vocational school access and equipment. And Tri-County was the recipient of a few of the capital skills grant programs. And one of the things that we asked Governor Baker on his, his way out of office was to see about the structures. What, what can we do about the structures? It's great to have the programs that are in place to pay for the equipment, but somebody needs to pay for the buildings to put them in. And what we have right now, I'm involved in the Mass Association of Vocational Administrators, and we do have some legisl legislation that we've put through um, the lobbying group that we're working with that's asking for $3 billion of the millionaire's tax money uh, to be allocated towards building vocational school buildings that are in the MSBA pipeline. Um, right now, there are about nine schools that are in that pipeline. They impact 119 communities. If all 119 communities could say, hey, uh, we need to do this, then hopefully uh, we'll be able to get some momentum on that. I'll send that to, to you through 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 uh, Jamie. I know that you know he, he was involved last year when I had asked him. Uh, we had also one of the things that we're concerned about is the, the reimbursement from the MSBA is woefully inadequate for a vocational school. They have, uh, they have templates on how to build um, elementary schools, they have templates on how to build high schools, they have templates on how to build schools that come together as a region, but not for vocational schools. And the cost of building a vocational school is exorbitant compared to an elementary school. And the vocational schools, for, for the most part, the 26 of them, are spread among, um, among a region that are also at the same time paying for elementary schools in their hometowns and so forth. So. So you, you, you try to bridge this, supporting the kids in the vocational school that are members of your town, and the kids that are at, at you know c coming into third, fourth, and fifth grade in, in your town. Um, to, to me, it's from a state and federal level. I think that we really need to be looking at it globally and how to how to support these schools, get them get them built, get them off the plate, and then focus on individual town schools. So I'll send that legislation. I, I think. Um, uh, as I said last year, uh, I, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Last year, Jamie had uh, agreed to support some legislation that we had written to the MSBA, to, uh, to the state, to increase the board of directors of the MSBA by two members. And both of those members would be vocational people, so that when they're talking about reimbursements, when they're talking about funding, the people in the room can have a conversation that has to do with all schools and not just comprehensive schools. Unfortunately, like some other legislation, it, uh, it made it through all of the hurdles, it made it through ways and means, it made it through everything, and then everyone went home. Uh, so, so, you know, that's fine, but it's back again. And it's, it's, part, of, uh, it's part of this bill that, that we have. It's in that, that same bill that we're asking for the $3 billion. We're also asking for an increase in the reimbursement for vocational projects, and also for uh, the two seats on the MSBA Board of Directors. Yeah, and some other things. So, so we'll send that to you through Jamie. He'll, he'll get that. Mm -hmm. Please do. That's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I do have another question. Oh. Yeah, should I ask it now? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the other question was just around trends. So that's trends in, in funding. I was wondering uh, if you could speak on trends in enrollment. Um, you know, obviously, I think everyone's seeing just fewer. Um, we're, we're not producing as many children. <laughs> Uh, in, in general, uh, I saw that this is the same size, 
footprint as the other one. Um, are you expecting, again, I think that at some point there needs to be a resurgence in our vocational schools, but there's also a growing movement, seems like at least a few towns, adding vocational and technical programs back into their high schools. Does that take away uh, students? Are you seeing enrollment dip from, from that? So I think that people are adding to comprehensive school districts because there's a bigger need, and we've seen over the last couple of years an increase in applicants in vocational schools. Uh, statewide, mo many, many of the vocational schools have waiting lists, excessive waiting lists to, to get in. And, and so we've seen that that is. But Tri-County is staying at 1,000 students, that just based on the population of the area. Uh, there, is no, there is no plan to increase the capacity of the seats at Tri-County. They'll still stay at 1,000. A few years ago, we were in a situation where the 1,000 seats weren't met with district kids, and we were taking kids from Attleboro um, Bellingham, Blackstone, and so forth. And we still have some of that in our 11th and 12th grade, but our 9th grade this year is 100% students from the 11 communities. For the, it's the first time in a long time that it's been like that. Good. That was all very helpful. I'll echo, I mean, there's a clear need um, and clearly a support to uh, Franklin as a whole. Um, you guys are continue to be great partners uh, and a real asset to town. Um, and, and so I hope that we, we show up and we show up in numbers. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Councilor Sheridan. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I was just curious, uh, 50 years is a long time. Is there anything in the school like, that you don't just think of program rise and things that you think 50 years ago you wouldn't think about as far as vocational education and vice versa, things that 50 years ago people might be into or not now? Yeah, so, so over, the, over the 50 years, the, the good thing about the, um, about the vocational communities that is that they partner very, very heavily with industry and labor and, and business, and, and in doing so are able to identify the trends of what programs we need and what programs we don't need. Um, so some programs that we had maybe years ago are folded into other programs. I'll take masonry for an example. Um, uh, masonry is a program that we've folded into our, our carpentry program. Cabinet making we've folded into our carpentry, carpentry program. Collision, <coughs> collision repair. Fifty years ago, it was Bondo and you know, pulling, banging and pulling out dents. Not anymore. It's it's uh, plastic pieces that you purchase and cl clip on. So, those um, those sorts of things uh, we folded that program into our into our um, automotive program. But then we look at industry trends, and I spoke about this when I was here last year, like cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is a huge industry that is needed everywhere, and we're at, we've added it to three of our programs at, at Tri-County. So uh, we, we do uh, have advisory boards that meet three times a year to give us input of industry trends in individual programs, but then broadly we look at the area to see what is, what is something that we need to fill as a labor market demand. Thank you. That's a great question. Thank you, Councilman Sheridan. Councilman Jones. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Superintendent McGuire, good to see you. You too. Well, um, I have one simple way to save money. Just turn the whole school into one big electrical technology school. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what do you need all those programs? <laughs> it's a very popular program. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, all joking aside, though, the one thing that has myself has as an electrical instructor and someone who's worked at the school and understands the particular school pretty well, um, I do understand that the school, even though for a normal layperson to walk to the building, may almost assume that the building's in great shape. 
you know, they, I, I do give them credit for whoever built the building back in 77 and opened up the building um, for having thought of ramps, for having thought of large hallways, for having thought of very large classrooms and very large uh, shop spaces. Um, but that, that is simply just paint on a pig. I do understand that your basic infrastructure, the bones of the building, the, the underground, the pipe work, and everything just, just in, in general uh, is beyond the point of, of cost. And it's just most logical for you to build a building. I like the new layout. I think it's a great um, option to, to move forward with that type of layout that you were showing the cluster idea. <clears throat> um, but I think one of the things one of the things that baffles me that I'm still haven't gotten, I still haven't figured out yet, is with all of the seven communities, Franklin being one of the second, the second largest contributor. How does someone like Sherborne feel with one contributing student to the school when they get approached from the school requesting funding to build a new school? Have you spoken with the other communities? What's the general feel? Very yeah. much. We have. We've spoken individually with all of the town administrators from the 11 communities, and then we've made um, many of these presentations to the communities, including Sherburne. And uh, in Sherburne, in same, the same thing with uh, Medfield, their enrollment kind of goes on this on this ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. uh, so this year's applicant pool, we've seen an increase in students coming in from, from both of those communities. So we hope that that continues. And, and we certainly think that with a, a better recruitment effort, and those two towns in particular, and a lot of Tri-County kids come to Tri-County because their parents came to Tri-County, or their uncles came to Tri-County, or their cousins, or their brothers, or their sisters. So when you have that group, in fact, we have a situation with Attleboro where, where students from Attleboro came to Tri-County for, for a long while, but now Attleboro has 17 programs of their own, but still, they're applying to come to Tri-County because their parents came up, and, and we can't take them. The law doesn't allow us to take them. They, they need to go to, to Attleboro, uh, and people will, will try to go to the state and appeal that, but it, it still is, is, is what it is. Mm -hmm. But when you don't have that base in towns like Medfield or Sherman, <clears throat> it's more difficult to get the students, uh, but we are seeing a, an upward trend this year in, 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 in those, and the, the eighth grade coming into ninth grade, we see. So we'd have to market them, I think, a little bit more. So the 11 seven communities, do you need a majority vote from all, all the 11 communities, or is it all 11? Yeah, yeah, so if you picture all 11 together as one big town, yeah. it's like that. So it's it's they're all together in one pool, and for however many voters in that pool come out, it's, it's the 50% plus one of that whole group together. It's not... Um, Sherburne, well, it's not, it doesn't right. matter, yeah, it's all, you know, it's, you could have nobody come out in a town, and it's still, yeah, it's still, it's, it's it, it, picture it as all of those 11 towns together is just one, one town called Tri-County. I'm, I'm, first of all, I just want to say I'm 100% in support of the vocational programs, always have been, always will be. On average, we've got 10,000 electricians retiring every single year. We've only got 7,000 our shoes. Uh, that's a 30% deficit on an annual basis, where the technology and the world that we're living in is advancing so much towards the need for skilled labor. Everything from the carpenters to the plumbers to the electricians and engineers to the cybersecurity people to secure these things, that there should be a, a tremendous emphasis put towards this type of education. So much so that the communities understand that this isn't just something 
want. This is something we truly need in order to meet the, the future's needs. This is, this is, this is interesting. Um, the, the one thing that, that is difficult to swallow, and I think everyone can pretty much agree with me on this one, of course, being a construction worker, 290 million dollars is, is an exuberant expense. It's difficult to, to, to see that. I understand it because I've seen many of the new buildings that are trying to build across the city that are being held up simply because of costs, simply because of materials, because of, of trying to get these materials. Um, and I can't imagine that, but, but that's going to change much in the past, in the next few years or so. Um, how do you plan on, I guess, factoring that in? Because at the moment, the number that it is, not to sound like a doomsday sayer, but kind of based on the trends, you can almost expect that that number would, would go up. Is that not kind of a fair thing to say? Yeah. So that's, I think, why we're, we're out talking about it early, you know, so that towns are aware that this is what they're, what they're voting on, is this, is this building, and, and this, is, this is what it's going to cost for it. And the unfortunate piece of the whole thing is that if we just do nothing, then we're reimbursed nothing, and we're at that $165 million to do, the, to do what we need to do to bring it to uh, be a safe educational building. Uh, so you're in a situation where, really, I think the windows would be reimbursed by MSBA, but scarcely anything else. So we're looking at either $165 million of not reimbursed or $280 million of, of, of reimbursed at, at a rate that is negotiable at this point, I think, where keep going back with, the, with them. Uh, the MSBA increased their reimbursement by square foot from uh, $360 a square foot to $393 a square foot uh, at their last meeting or two meetings ago. So, so, so we are seeing some of a bit of a swing there. They did, though, pull the plug on the uh, accelerated repair program in order to fund that reimbursement at a little bit of a higher rate. But they're seeing the same thing that these buildings are not getting cheaper and cheaper to build. They're getting more and more expensive to build, not just vocational buildings, right. but uh, municipal buildings and compre comprehensive high schools or elementary schools. Yeah. Thank you, Ms. Chief. Just one more question. So as part of the package, does that include um, kind of modern advancements and tech and tools and technology that will be going into these classrooms as well, or is it just going to be kind of packing up the old stuff and moving it into the new building? What's, what's a little bit of both through the MSBA uh, I'm sorry through the capital skills grant program over the last few years we have modernized a lot of the equipment that's there and we'll shift it into the new building we were able to just get a grant $500,000 grant a few weeks ago for culinary to upgrade all of their equipment so we'll put it in but then pull it out and put it in the new building there's another round of that grant funding I just got the email today it closes at the end of March so we'll look at our next program that we think we need to do and do the same thing. So all of that equipment would be paid for ahead of time and time put in on a grant program. We did it with the advanced manufacturing program that uh, Representative Roy actually facilitated that a few years ago. Yes. So yeah, so that was that was great. Yeah. In the new engineering department. Yes. Yeah. That piece. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Cormier Ledger. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I've been quiet tonight. <laughs> I appreciate getting called on. Thank you for the presentation, uh, and thank you for all the important work that you do. I wish that education was a top priority for our country, because you shouldn't have to be doing what you do around a crumbling building serving kids. Uh, but my, 
my question really comes to, will there be sponsorship opportunities beyond this being tax funded and grant funded? Like, have you given any thought to a small arm that might be looking to some of the industry leaders that might want to name a, a service bay after Toyota or a cooking bay after, I don't know, some culinary school, something along those lines that maybe those business uh, and titans and in industry might come and bring some dollars to the table. Yeah, it would be great if we could if we could get we, we, we did at our advisory board meeting that we had a few months we again we have them three times a year kind of dip our toe a little, um, but I, I'm not uh, I don't want to um, have people think that that's how we're going to pay for the Tri County building, and um, it, it would be great if we had that that sort of connection, uh, but with them being 26 in the state and having nationwide all of the training facilities. Uh, it, I think it would be a little bit easier if we were living next to the Ford plant. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just not, uh, other than small things that we've been able to, smaller grants and things that we've been able to get or uh, and funding pieces, but not, not, not something as big as that. Yeah, I mean, it is comprehensive to take on a capital project, certainly for a nonprofit. I imagine it's exponentially harder for school. I was just curious if there were opportunities, certainly not to fund everything that you need, but it might take a chunk, um, and then sometimes when money starts rolling in from other sources, it sort of like helps other funders feel convinced that they should jump in too, so, um, but thank you for everything that you do. I certainly hope uh, things are able to move forward. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Coleman-Ledger. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. First, um, we got a bargain on our high school, didn't we? Mm -hmm. You guys, as the building chairman, you did a great job because what that cost compared to this. Um, secondly, I think it was important that you built a new building and not a redone one. And I'm going to say mostly from my point of view is your kids would be a lot safer in a brand new building. It's set up for these outside, like Franklin High is more prepared. If something bad happens, I think just because it's so big, it's just not set up for how today is. So I hope that works out for you. Um, when would this vote be? Uh, we anticipate that the if we get the MSBA approval at the end of August, it has to be within 120 days of that approval. So the town clerks have tentatively uh, penciled in October 24th as the as the date. Of this of uh, 2023, yes. Okay. Um, so that's the part where you guys are going to have to be politicians to sell this. I mean, I hope it's a snowy, rainy day because then just your people will come out. But <laughs> I mean, because that's all you need. Now I understand. You just need 501 people and 499 the other way. So I think you have a good chance that way. But you're really going to have to sell it because, as Councillor Jones said, I'm still just picturing walking in that building with shiny floors. Yeah. And, right. I mean, they, and like you said, they just put lipstick on it. So, like, so Dan and I, we were at a meeting yesterday. I'm sorry, we were at a meeting yeah. yesterday and we pulled up and there was, there was a cascading waterfall coming out of the side of the building. And people were just walking past it and they're walking the other way. <coughs> He said, what's that? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> we had to call. Yeah. And everybody just thought it was, you know, just the way it's supposed to be, which, you know, it wasn't. But, yeah, just, that, but it is. They do a terrific job. 
They do a yeah, terrific job. It is shiny and it's it is, but it is lipstick on a pig. It is. I know it's it's time for another school. Thank you for your time. If I may, I'd like to add that I am the same age as the building, and the building looks a lot better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> My partner, Jen D'Angelo, and I are more than prepared to help sell this to our community. We recognize the value that vocational educational experience brings to our students. Some students, frankly, are hands-on learners, and this gives uh, an opportunity for students who learn that way to best utilize their talents and be productive members of the society. So, we were prepared to do that work, like our work with you, through you, to the extent that you're willing to help us sell that message to our community members. So thank you for your time. I hope uh, one last thing. I hope your alumni does come out because I remember when you guys went to the Super Bowl and uh, they came out of the woodwork and went to Judd Stadium. That was an exciting man. All right, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chen. Councilor Pledry. Thank you, Mr. Chen. Um, I have many questions but they're all not set yet because I didn't expect it to be as involved as this was tonight. Uh, I'm surprised to always hear a new school, a new school, I'm old, I'm old school. <laughs> and as you just said, that school has always been used as an example. I mean, I've been in it many a time and you say the floors and the walls and the, just, it's all immaculate, immaculate. And in fact, we've used it again as an example. <clears throat> for our schools, you know, to say, take a look at the way that it's um, taken care of at the, at the Tri-County. Um, I don't know if I love the idea of the school coming down and renovations being done instead and maybe in phases. I know you're saying it isn't as safe for the kids and that, but um, it's a lot of money that we're talking about. Then I also think on Harvard, Trinity, West Point, they have old buildings there. They're not always saying, let's do a new one, let's knock this one down, and do this. Even the Boston schools, you know, when I see the news on TV and I see the, some of those schools, we're always looking for new, new, new. I felt this way when we did our high school. Love the high school, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. But to tear down the, um, the field house, bothered me and many of the residents in town. It was terrible that that came, excuse me, that that came down. Um, so I've got to look into a lot more before I can say that I'm really for this, you know. Um, but I think you're doing a great job. Get out to the people, let them know what's happening and all, and we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we were with you, I think, when, when we first started looking at, at this. We did think it would be a, re, a rebuilt, and that's all we said it would be. In fact, our teachers, we haven't even presented this to the teachers yet, that we're, that this is a new school building. Uh, but just the, the amount of money that it would cost to retrofit for, for all of the things that we need in a vocational building, it just, it's, it, it would cost more. And then you run into the overruns and you run into uh, change orders and all sorts of things that you know, you're trying to, trying to put uh, 21st, second century engineering into a building that was built that doesn't have the infrastructure to handle it. You know, from an electrical standpoint, from uh, the, 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 the internet standpoint, you know, it's already in a situation where it's over capacity with those things. Yeah. Have we been updating um, over these last 50 years the school and different systems, electrical, plumbing, and, and that? Have so, no. That? So some of the things that are required by code, yeah. we were grandfathered in. 
in a lot of the things. But now, once we start doing construction, you have to bring them to code. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that's where that that starts to now go over what what you would expect for a renovation is now that you open it up, all of those things, no sprinkler systems, for instance, you know, the fire suppression system, the town of Franklin would never, no, no, no. It's grandfathered in, yeah. So the town of Franklin would never let us have a building now uh, that we're working in construction without sprinkler systems, so the things like that. Yeah. Oh my God, and another question is why the gym on the second floor? Um, it's it's on the second floor on one side of the building, but when you come in on the other side because of the slope, it's it, it's it would be above the locker rooms, but really on the main level. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if this didn't pass, okay, what do you have in mind that you would want to do? I'm sure you must have different things that categorized as to the most important going down of what you would do. So the, if, if it doesn't pass, we certainly need to address the electrical, the plumbing, and we certainly need to address the, uh, the wiring for the, the um, technology capability, the internet, the pieces, uh, the big plumbing pipes, the driveway, there's a lot that we would need to, and that's safe, the safety pieces first, too. And we would be at the $165 million, yeah. That's, that's over, over 10 years, of course, but it would, uh, the safety pieces would address some safety, <coughs> But the um, inside of the building, when you first walk in, to, we'd have to do away with that open, the open concept that we have now. Uh, we have addressed some of the doors and things, of, you know, overhead things. And, yeah. Thank you again for coming tonight. Right, thank you. Let's have some background information. Thank you, Councilor Lee <coughs> Council Councilor Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Obviously, you know, Councilor Gregory does not like change. Obviously, you figure that out. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, being a tradesman myself, I've been a mechanic my whole life. It's, it's, but it's, I've been a mechanic since that place was built. Three months from now, they're putting me out the pasture because stuff is going way over my head, right? So it's good that you're going to build a new place with all the new equipment. That, that, that is very important in trades, and it's, it's Councilor Jones and myself would know. Um, to, to get a good product out, a good person out. My nephew goes there, he's a plumber. He, he struggled all through grammar school, all through middle school. Now he's making honors up there because he likes what he's doing. That's a huge, just because he's a plumber doesn't mean he's I'm not a good person. No, no, and, that's, right. and that's what, well, that's what people think that's about right. vocational school, them trade schools, mm -hmm. they do. I mean, I don't like Ronnie either. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really happy that I'm going to do a separate school. That 165 million will turn into 265 million before you turn the corner. So I'm totally in support as long as everything's up to grade. You're going to make everything good. You're going to turn out a good product, and that's what this country and this world needs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Delarco. I guess it's my turn. Uh, we were going to ask for a liquor license as part of the <laughs> <laughs> We thought that would be too much. Not unless you have a public hearing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to jump on my soapbox. Uh, first of all, having uh, been involved in 
two projects, uh, chairing the building committee for the high school and chairing the building committee for Horace Mann, which was a renovation. And to your point, the Horace Mann project, 78 change orders. The new high school, three. Just to give you an idea uh, along that, those lines. Having sat with MSBA many, many times, sitting at the table, in fact, the first time to the Council of Blavery's point, the first time uh, I went in, I sat down across with them, the chairman pounded the table and said, we don't pay for field houses or pools. That was the end of the field house. <laughs> so, uh, but, Couple of, a couple of things, I applaud the efforts of building a new building because having been involved and going through the same processes that you're going through as to renovate, we should renovate. When you finally get to the numbers, it doesn't work to renovate, uh, especially a building that's 40 years, 50 years old. And to that point, one of the things we found, which I'm sure you're finding as well, is the buildings that were built in the 70s were built for education and instruction in that time period. Big halls, those kinds of things. It's much more cluster now. And smaller halls, smaller, uh, larger core space, but smaller hallways and more instructions. Uh, I think, does, has MSBA given you any idea as to the projected reimbursement number down the road? Is it 30%, 40%, 50%? Do you want to talk about yeah, that? So yeah, it's, yeah. Our, our current reimbursement rate is 52.89. Okay. But as you are well aware of eligible costs. Exactly. Um, so in this order of magnitude building that we are talking about, this concept building, um, the reimbursement is about 80 million on the 280 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a, that's a piece that, just like you said, no, no field house, right? No pool. What we hear as a vocational school is only half of the cost of your library is reimbursable because you're a vocational school and the VOTEC side doesn't need the library. So our position is, oh, what planet is that? That's our VOTEC kids are in the library just as much as the English class kids. So this is this is our you know our our battle now is is when we after we had the, the the meeting with them two weeks ago and this is what they came up with for the tech vogue they were calling us, we, um, we requested another meeting to be able to go back through the education plan and demonstrate that we, we, do, we do have books in the library that have to do with plumbing and with electrical and with every other vocational program. And the same thing with the gym. They, their gym would only be half reimbursed because only half of it, which is also not true. So we just, um, it's... That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. There is a lot of negotiating with MSBA yeah. and uh, when we went in, uh, they tell you how many you can build a school for uh, based do. upon your enrollments. They mm -hmm. look at it over the years. They told us 
we couldn't, we could only build for 1,600 students. Well, we went in and fought. We ended up getting 1,650. We opened the doors with 1,725. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just the way MSBA yeah, I, works. They have a limited pool, you know, yeah. and, and we, we we understand that, you know, that, that they only, it's a cent on the tax on the dollar, and it, it's, they have a limited pool, and they do the best that they can with all, and, but it's more and more municipalities coming in. Good so job sticking up for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they're watching. I don't want to front them. I don't want to the library. I'm in trouble. My issue with MSBA, I think, sitting here as a counselor, uh, in a community that will be asked to put a debt, pass a debt exclusion. Uh, uh, the MSBA, when they killed the model school program, they did a tremendous disservice to the entire state. Uh, and just to give you uh, an example, uh, if we were to build, uh, if you were to build a new school, design and build, not part of the model school program, which we were the last high school that was built under the model school program. Because we were, we saved 20%. 20% of $280 million is $50 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money that they took away, so to speak. I understand the reasoning. Uh, they killed it because the same contractor, the same architect was getting all the work. Well, they designed the best school and they built the best school. Why shouldn't they? Again, I told you I was gonna get on my soapbox. Uh, that's, and I, I just think they did a tremendous disservice by uh, stopping that model school program. Uh, as far as the green to uh, Council Frangelo, Council Handlin spoke about the green. Back when we did the high school, you got extra reimbursement points for different levels of stat, green stats. Yes. Uh, and we learned this, uh, memory serves me right, there was a, a bronze, a silver, and a gold. Yes. And uh, it's probably still the same. Uh, we chose, when we built uh, the high school in Franklin, we went and got silver classification. So we gained two percentage points, which on $100 million was $2 million. On 200, it might be $5 million. Uh, we did look at gold, but the cost didn't. Uh, didn't work, it didn't make sense to do the goal, but it did make sense to try and achieve the silver status that got us there. And I guess my last point is, would be, uh, uh, I know Jen very well. Uh, tonight's the first night that I've met you. Having, going, having to go out and sell the high school to the community, I can tell you that it was it was a lot of work. I can, it was very challenging, but I assure you it was very rewarding. 
I was out six nights a week for four months. I went to neighborhoods uh, that they had five people uh, just for a cup of coffee. But that's the way you have to sell. And I think if you do that, I think you'll be successful. I hope you're successful. Anything we can do to help, yeah, absolutely. Uh, be more than happy to. And uh, well, let's, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we do. We all appreciate that. You know, it's hard. Every 50 years, they get to come in front of the town council and say, we need a new building. We're the first ones. 50 years later, it'll be someone else, I guess. I don't know. But um, it's, it's, you know, it's not hard. It's not an easy thing to tell people, right, that, that this, is, this, is what we're, this is what we're looking at. So, um, and uh, we'll be back once we know really what we're looking at and, and give another update. And, and, and certainly, yeah, as I said, we'll send the legislation along that if you would be so kind to look at that and then write to have the um, appropriate people sponsor, it, it would be very helpful, I think. So we shall see. All right, thanks again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Moving on. Legislation for action. Bylaw Amendment 23-892. A bylaw to amend the code of the Frank of the Town of Franklin at Chapter 82, Fees Municipal Service. This is the first reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is bylaw amendment 23-892, chapter 82, fees, municipal service, a bylaw to amend the code of town of Franklin. At chapter 82, fees, municipal service, be it enacted by the Franklin Town Council, at chapter 82 of the code of town of Franklin is amended at section 82-6, scheduled service fees, subsection F, fire, by striking existing language and replacing as set out below. Uh, subsection 82-6, scheduled service fees under F, Fire, not ironic. Service fee, ambulance fees, uh, the rate $2,420. ALS base rate $2,571. Uh, the VLS rate to change from $1,553 to $1,619. Commercial care facility without transport is $935. The mileage is going to change from $3731 to $38. The bylaw amendment shall become effective on and after March 17th, 2023. Move bylaw amendment 23-892 to a second reading. Second. Motion and a second discussion. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through you to the council. So this is the first reading uh, of some minor uh, fee increases on the ambulance rates. Uh, if folks uh, recall, I think it was three years ago now, uh, we did an out daily numbers. Um, just got promoted tonight, did an analysis on our fee schedules, which showed we were way below uh, the area um, and wasn't really covering the cost of some of the service. Uh, two years ago, uh, we prioritized getting them to the middle of the pack of the market, so we're in the middle. Um, fortunately, last year, the rates stayed pretty stable, uh, but this year, uh, we need to uh, request out of the council consideration of raising the uh, BLS rate and the mileage rate uh, a little bit. And this is, again, first read. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions? Councilman Tony Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And this is probably a question to the town administrator, but do we, like with private insurance that we have to have, so does the town have contracts with insurance companies that state 
you know, a certain reimbursement, or how, how does that work when we, like, I understand we're going to vote on these increases, but if the insurance companies say, yeah, we're not going to pay that anyway, so is, is it kind of a, this more for people that have to pay privately, or how does that work? I'll let the fire department answer that. Through the chair, through the chair. Uh, Councilman, it depends on the uh, Medicare, Medicaid, Blue Cross, depends what that, that person, the patient has. And there's a certain amount that is allowable, that is able to be collected for all those categories. If a patient goes to the Veterans Hospital, and then we do have those uninsured uh, people that don't have insurance, and it's a process through our vendor, through the Comptroller's Office for Collections. But normally, the majority of our calls are Medicaid, Medicare, Blue Cross, um, and the collection rate is about 95, 95% uh, is what the collection rate is for, for those uh, patients. Um, we, we track the last couple of years of what our collections have been and with our numbers. Our collections have went up, just so uh, significantly, uh, as an example, in uh, calendar year to, uh, to 20, 2000, uh, we were just under 1.5 was our collections to the town. And calendar year 21 was just under 2 million. And right now, for calendar year 22, our projection is 2.3 million. Um, we haven't had all the uh, collections yet for calendar year 22. But based on what we've got right now, the projection at 80, about 85% is what we've been getting down as the norm. And according to our vendor, that's a good percentage for collections uh, for those categories. So again, we should be just about 2.3 for this year. And the reason why the rates are going up, our run volume is going up. Uh, the firefighters are doing a, a, a real better job with the report writing, doing a great job with that. And we make these modest adjustments like we're doing here annually to keep up with uh, the surrounding communities. All three of those factors has resulted in Pretty significant increases in the last several years. Do you see a significant amount that you have to write off? Uh, we, we work with the comptroller's office and with the vendor. We meet with them once or twice a year to go over that, to go over the collections. And um, like I said, according to the vendor, our, our rate that we're getting for collections, we're doing good. As far as what we get for the other percentage, uh, that goes through the comptrollers and the uh, vendor. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Cornell Ledger. Any other counselors? I guess I just have another my annual question. Uh, have we done anything with trying to deal with some of the uh, elder care facilities in town and privatize, trying to get them to use privatize them? Obviously, an ambulance needs to go where it needs to go. But if we have an ambulance at one of these elder care facilities where they're there to pick somebody up off the floor uh, or off the ground, uh, I know we, we've talked about that, bring it up every year, uh, because I, you see more and more of those calls, which just drives our costs up. Uh, is there anything? We've had a couple of locations in town that were a problem the last several years. We have made site visits there, and I think we've uh, done well. In, in one particular case, it was a change of management. Sometimes just who's running the facility has a big difference in, on, on, on curtailing that. Right now, I would say we're in good shape in that category. I think the message is out. If we do have a, a, um, an increase in those kind of calls, but we, uh, what our philosophy has been, let's get out there, let's meet with them first. We do have a tool, not tool back, toolbox for billing purposes if we had to. Since I've been here, we haven't used that 
but we do have a mechanism in place with a fine if it becomes abusive, and they do know. <coughs> Thank you. Okay, seeing no further questions, the vote will come on the motion to move bylaw amendment 23-892 to a second reading. A majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. <coughs> Here comes the next one. Uh, and the whole body left. Yeah, they left me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's around. I know who my true friends are right now. This is where you find out who your true friends are. They had to be here. The meeting started to become Funny how that works, huh? Um, resolution 23-14, appropriating funds by borrowing to pay costs of purchasing an aerial ladder truck for fire department. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 23-14. <clears throat> Appropriating funds by borrowing to pay costs of purchasing an aerial ladder truck for the fire department. Whereas the town council has been advised of a need to purchase an aerial ladder truck for use by the Franklin Fire Department, now therefore be it ordered by the town council of the town of Franklin that $1,900,000 is appropriated to pay costs of purchasing and equipment one aerial ladder truck for use by the Franklin Fire Department <clears throat> and for the payment of all costs incidental and related thereto and that to meet this appropriation the treasurer collector with the approval of the town administrator is authorized to borrow at one time or from time or from time to time $1,900,000 under general law chapter 44 subsection 7-1 uh, or pursuant to any other enabling authority and to issue bonds or notes of the town there before uh, two, the resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 23-14. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie, do you want to start? Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just really quickly, uh, the chief and the staff have a, a short slideshow of plenty of great pictures. Um, and uh, I just want to note um, that um, you know, this kind of came out of the middle, not really out of the middle of nowhere. Um, this is really a, a great uh, exercise in the vision, in the long-term uh, vision that the fire department has um, to make sure that we're properly in the best position possible to make sure that we're not down equipment. I know the chief's gonna mention it. I know everybody sees the price in here, 1.9 million. He'll go through the economics of keeping the current engine and renovating that versus this. Uh, but as outlined at the Finance Committee, which did unanimously endorse this, um, you know, we're looking at about two to three year order time. We talked about this at Capitol. Um, I'm sorry, people just, you know, and the council gets this, but for the folks at home, you know, as we've heard at the Capitol Committee, cruisers, trucks, dump trucks, everything, um, the supply chain problems are a problem and they're getting worse. And so uh, the lead time on this uh, is two to three years. Um, and so that's why we're before you tonight um, to authorize this. And I would just mention one more quick thing, um, is that um, we won't be borrowing the funds now to do that when the truck arrives in the future. So I just want everybody to know it wouldn't have any budget impact in the coming fiscal year. So, uh, Chief, I know you want to run through a few slides, look at the economics and call volume and stuff. Do you want to go yeah, through that now? Yeah, sure, thank you. I, uh, Deputy Bob Barry is going to run through the slide, but um, just so you know, in the, uh, after July of last year, we did uh, start doing the research of uh, what vehicles are out there, what the price points are, 
Uh, we've looked at what our repair maintenance costs of our current vehicle is in the last several years. Um, we looked at what the trade-in value of the existing truck would be, what a total refurbishment would be, how long a refurbishment would last, and we also, um, as Jamie mentioned, what the pro uh, projected delivery times would be. So we did this in the second half of 22, so we'd be prepared at the beginning of 23 right now to get as much information to this body as possible. So we got a very brief slide presentation that Deputy Bob Barry is going to rest. Thank you. Okay. Uh, good evening, Mr. Chairman, members of the Town Council. Thank you for having us. This evening, we're here to talk about one of the most important pieces of equipment we have, our tower truck. First, we want to take a couple minutes just to explain what this truck is and what it's used for. Its main component is the aerial ladder, and there's a bucket at the end of that. Okay. Our primary mission when we get to the scene of an emergency is rescue. That's our priority. This tower truck can help rescue victims trapped on upper floors. This tower truck also has an elevated master stream. So it has a pre-piped waterway uh, with a thousand gallon per minute deck gun. So as you can see here on the left hand side, you see a picture from the Franklin Crossing condo fire. This truck was instrumental in keeping that fire to building two and limiting the spread to building four and building six, essentially saving building four and six, saving millions of dollars. One of the other items this truck is used for is roof operations. Uh, we do have to get to the roof to open up the roof. So that bottom right picture, you see this platform, given our staff and model, provides us with a safe platform to work off when we have to take care of these tasks on the fire ground. <coughs> this truck can also use, be used for technical rescue if we have to raise or repel any firefighters or victims. This truck also, also carries a series of ground ladders, specialty tools and equipment. Uh, some of the equipment might be for chimney fires for extinguishing those. Some of the other functions we have it for, uh, on the left, we are assisting the water department here, put a skate antenna at the top of the hillside water tank. We also provided a good training opportunity for our folks. On the bottom right, we do have an attachment where if we need to go up and over an object, such as a parapet roof, we can attach a ground ladder to that. On the top right, you see us rescuing a trapped utility worker up in their bucket. Uh, so it does have several functions. Uh, my four-year-old daughter seems to think all we do is rescue cats out of trees. <laughs> but as you can see, we have a lot of uses. <laughs> So maintenance concerns. We had a big wake-up call on November 5th, 2021. We suffered a major hydraulic leak. We had over 25 gallons of hydraulic fluid on the ground. On the ground. Uh, this truck was out of service for over 80 days. Uh, the only positive thing was that this did not happen at an emergency incident. While the truck was out getting repaired, uh, the dealership noticed that the engine was acting up. We have a Detroit engine in this truck. What we found out is that Detroit got out of the fire apparatus business years ago. Uh, unfortunately, the dealership only has one good mechanic, 
that's good with Detroit's and he's <laughs> <laughs> So unfortunately that, that delayed the time that this truck was out of service. The truck is 15 years old now, uh, so it is starting to show its age, even though, like we talked about earlier, on the outside everything looks great, but it's what's underneath, you know, especially this hydraulic hose was buried deep below in that truck. The truck's been out of service for over 149 days since February 2019. We've spent over $100,000 on this truck since February 2019. So as the truck gets older and older, older, it's out of service more and more. We started to look into our options. We actually started looking into uh, refurbishment. Uh, as you may recall, we had a fire engine with a frame rail issue back in 2020. We actually had the representative from the manufacturer out to look at that truck and also our tower truck. We did get a quote to repair the frame at $141,000 on May 21st, 2020. With that quote, they say add 10%. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> on September 22nd, 2022, we were requoted $240,000 for the frame repair. No, that's not a typo. It went up $100,000 for the same repair in two years. Plus, we got an additional quote, $850,000 for a full refurb, plus add 10%. The process for refurbishment, it takes at least six months out in order to schedule the truck to go out to the factory. So it gets flatbedded out to the factory back in Wisconsin they take the truck apart. The truck would be out of service for at least 15 to 18 months. We would not have a, a ladder truck in the town for over a year. That 10%, as they start taking apart this truck that's 15 years old, they know they're gonna run into additional problems. There's gonna be cost overruns. If we chose that $850,000 plus that 10%, that's more than what we paid for the truck originally. There's no guarantee how long this truck will last once we get it back. That $850,000 does not cover any sort of repairs on the engine or anything like that. We could get the truck back and the engine or transmission could fail and we'd have to put even more money into that truck. We started looking to, to our options for new trucks. We came across a model that would suit us. Uh, it's a Pierce Enforcer mid-mount, uh, similar to this picture here. So our current truck, the turntable's at the back of the truck. This would be in the middle of the truck, the turntable. This truck would have a pump, a 2,000 gallon per minute pump, with 300 gallons of water. The truck is slightly shorter, which should help us maneuver through some tight areas. The truck is faster to set up. Uh, it, the outrigger is set up in about 26 seconds. It would take about 22 to 24 months, at least, until we get it delivered. Part of that pump, it would help us maintain our ISO class one rating. Now the hardest part to digest, the cost. Normally a manufacturer goes up maybe one 
time of year on costs, either 3% to 6%. Last year, they went up multiple times, and they went up an estimated 28% all in one year, multiple times throughout the year. We have a deadline tomorrow at 5 p.m. to lock in at $1,859,599. After tomorrow, there will be a 2% increase, an additional $37,000. It's important to note that the manufacturer actually put it, went nationwide with this price increase today, the first, but we were able to inform them we were coming here tonight and we got in writing that they, they would honor the February 2nd deadline for us to save us that 2%. This truck is, a, is more of a stock truck. It's not customized. We did not sit down with a salesperson and add all sorts of things to it. As you can see, they basically took a schematic from a previously built truck in the company and priced it off that. The need, I'm sure everybody in here is driven around town, and as they do, they see more and more larger developments. We have at least over 70 buildings in town that have three stories or more, with at least another seven pending. Most of you in here uh, should all be aware that um, there was actually a recent proposal in front of the planning board for a residential building that was five stories. So we need this truck more than ever. We need a reliable truck in order to mitigate emergencies at these large buildings. It's not just residential, it's commercial as well. Our call volume has also increased. As the chief noted, we did over 5,000 calls last year alone. Uh, that's the first time we've ever broken that. So as we've been looking at this as a business decision, we've looked at it from different angles for well over a year now. Ultimately, purchasing a new truck is the best option. Uh, if we were to delay this, just in a couple of years' time, this truck will be over $2 million. There's no question about that. If we were to delay it even further, the build-out time could be past, well past that two years. We've heard of other departments where it could be as high as four years to get a truck. Our truck would be 17, our current truck would be 17 years old if we do place the order today. Um, we're just trying to put ourselves in a good position, you know, given the fact that our, our current truck is steadily declining with maintenance issues, we don't want to be put in a bad position. Uh, with that, we'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Chief. Appreciate that. Now, just make one additional note to that is that um, everyone looks at these trucks, they just think of the towel. But that truck has a lot of specialized equipment, including it has to have a minimum of 170 feet of ground lattice. So they have large lattice, 28, 32, 35 foot, it's going to get you beyond that third story on the right side. The engine companies only have a 20 foot, 24 foot extension, a 10 foot out of five, and a 14 foot roof. That's what the engines have. So a 24 on the engine, if it comes, first in on an incident, they can get to the second floor. So that's why we break it down into three or more floor, uh, stories. And then in, in regarding to the trade-in, based on what they gave us as a value of the trade-in in two years of the vehicle we have now, my recommendation to both the town administrator and to you would be to keep that truck as a reserve. N not many fire departments in the area have a reserve truck. 
I think it would be the best, at this point in time, the way the truck is now, I would suggest to keep that as a reserve truck. Uh, town can use that for their details that they have to do, but if this truck ever had to get just regular preventative maintenance, we have that security that we don't have to rely on out of town to be here. We're gonna have a ladder truck protecting the people of this town all the time. We know it's not, it's not an easy thing to come in front at any time in front of a council with this kind of number. I know the number is high. Um, we just feel like we did a due diligence to present you with the best possibility at this point in time moving forward. So, thank you for your time. Thank you, Chief and Deputy Chief Carberry. Uh, questions? Council Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> this is just really only one really easy way to coin this, is that is saving one life is worth it. it. It's really, it's just that simple. It, it really boils down to having the equipment and having the apparatus and having the means to save a person's life. And I don't care what the price is. If, if anybody wants to argue with me on that point, go, go ahead. If, if that one my child that was trapped on the third floor and the only thing necessary to get that person off that floor is a lot of truck, $1.9 million is cheap. I'd scrape it off the bottom of a barrel if I had to to get that. But that's what it boils down to. We need the equipment to support our, our citizens' needs. And when, like I said, with 70 buildings in the town that are three, three stories or larger, and getting bigger and taller, and with more, more citizens coming into the town, we need, to, we need to meet that need. What is the cost of a human life? To me, $1.9 million isn't much for a person's life. It, it, people are priceless. And whatever we can do to provide them the, the, the correct tools for you guys to do your job, I'm always going to be 100% in support of that. Um, I am, I'm sad to hear that a, a truck that is only 15 years old you know, is costing us as much as it is. I'm also not shocked. I, mean, I think Councilor DeWalker would, would agree with me that much of the cost, not only with construction, but with maintenance to vehicles and stuff, has just, it's just gone up to the point where it's just not worth fixing. Some things, and that's one of those things. But um, I'd just like to say I'm 100% in support. Thank you. Thank you, you Councillor Jones. Councillor Frangillo. Sure, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for this presentation, and I have more to say uh, to that after, I, but I, I do have a question first. So a lot of this is under the uh, assumption that uh, Prices are just going to continue uh, to go up. Um, why, why are we so sure that that's the case? I mean, we have, it's my understanding that the supply chain issues are in some part due to a moment in time of, you know, COVID and uh, Ukraine, um, that that's leading to supply chain issues. Uh, why, why are we confident that those are going to continue to go up? Through the chair, we are confident that at five o'clock tomorrow, it's gonna to go up $37,000. That's one thing we're confident about. Yeah. And just talking to the people in the industry, my colleagues, the vendors, it's just something that's happened in the last several years. And I think I would be, I would be naive to think that it's not gonna happen within the next short term. I think that these price increases after what they just happened in the last couple of years, I don't see it <coughs> being minimal in the next several years, with my professional opinion. I think uh, uh, making a move now would be the most prudent thing to do. Do I have a guarantee with the uh, increases? I don't. They, they don't. They don't either. Um, to to your point, I don't. I can't say 100%. But um, my my educated guess, 
because we're going to see increases in, in the future, in the near term anyway. That's good. No, that, that, was, that was my question. The, the rest Thanks. is just praise. I, I appreciate, especially uh, on something like this, I mean, there's so many things that we have some sense of what, what goes into the cost. I mean, the amount of scrutiny that we just put into uh, the entire K-5 English education, which is a fraction uh, of this, um, you know, we were, you, but we could visualize it, we know what that means, and this, you know, we're sort of, to some extent, relying on you guys to do your due diligence uh, to make sure that we're getting what's needed, um, and, you know, any dollar, any place, unfortunately, is, is, a, is a dollar taken away uh, from somewhere else, and that relies on each person recognizing, and each department recognizing that, um, and, and doing their due diligence, and doing their research, and making sure that they've thought of all possible ways uh, to maximize uh, the dollar of the Franklin resident, and it seems like you guys have. And I really appreciate uh, this presentation and walking us through that. Thank um, you. Uh, as you have today. Thank you, Councilman. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman Fundula. Councilman Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I agree with both of my fellow councilors who have spoken already. Um, you've done a fantastic job proposing this, and um, we saving lives is what you do and what we. That's your profession, and we, we all agree that anyone, we, you know, we, we can't let this um, become a tragedy. I just, um, I, I agree to save the truck, the old truck as well. I like that proposal. I think um, when this one broke down, we didn't, it didn't work for 129 days or 149? 180 days. It was out of service 80 days, but eight. in total since uh, 2019, um, it's been out of service. Sorry. It was like a lot of, it was a lot of days, yeah. right? And so, and so it's really, it is really scary. And, um, and so that, um, we were lucky that there wasn't an emergency that we needed it for, but how would we, is, is there a neighbor that has a ladder truck that maybe it could come if it's not in use? Like how, like how would we, what if there was a disaster? Like, would there be a town? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Through the chair, um, Councilwoman, uh, we reach out. Uh, if we know on the front end it's going to be a long term, we reach out to our neighboring communities. I think of one community right now. Now there's a second community of uh, North Attleboro that even have a reserve ladder truck. But to answer your question, for an emergency, uh, a neighboring community, our neighboring towns would be coming, the neck would know. Yeah. Uh, reported fire, they would instantly dispatch them because we notify the MEC that we don't have that ladder for that time. Okay. So we're relying, so it's, you have that time delay. And it's not a good yeah. feeling for me, for any of the staff. It's just not a good feeling when that bay's empty. And, and when I go home at night and that bay's empty, um, there's going to be a delay. It's hard and to sleep. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And uh, this is, uh, that's why I think keeping that second one as a backup. Except that the Detroit diesel went. If that would be the only thing I could see, if the Detroit diesel went, we're not going to put the money to replace it. But without that happening, I think that truck could give us another five years as a reserve truck. <laughs> well, I think it, it probably won't go. Councilor Delorco just said that he could take care of it. Yes. Maybe, yes. Maybe, since he's going to retire soon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you giving us a bill? Are you giving us a bill? <laughs> maybe he can replace it with another. And, uh, yeah, but he, like, he, might, he might have to make the parts in the cellar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank you for bringing this to us and getting the extra day. Because I, you know, to talk talking yeah. to the company and say, yeah. just give us one more day, please. Yeah, they gave um, us a day. I thank you for yeah. that. Um, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. 
Councilor Cornelius. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, gentlemen, for not just the presentation, but for all that you do. Um, and I, I, too, appreciate the one day, because $32,000 is a lot of money. Um, you know, and 10 bucks is, you know, lunch, let alone $37,000, right? So um, did the company require a deposit if we lock in for tomorrow, or it's simply just us saying we want it? It, it, we do not have any deposit requirement obligation, just the uh, PO uh, tomorrow, just a copy of a PO. So to the town administrator's point, we literally don't pay a penny for this until delivery? That's right. So it's simply a matter of moving the money and then waiting two years and then it's going to get paid for? Is that the process? That's correct. And then through you, Mr. Chairman, so then what the treasurer collector will do is go out and do a regular borrowing uh, when we go out to borrow money. Um, obviously, you know, no one can predict interest rates. Um, I think one of the things that made this move as quickly as it has uh, over the last several weeks uh, were the numbers presented and evaluating with the finance director um, who kind of uh, pushed this into an extra gear, uh, both Chris and Kerry, uh, because we got a 3-4 interest rate in December for the farm. Um, I know interest rates were raised today by the Fed uh, chair, but you know, ultimately we've seen some still some stability with interest rates. It hasn't gone as bad as we thought. Um, and you know, two or three years out, I mean, nobody can predict next month, let alone two or three years. Um, but as Councilor Jones and Hamlin and Mercer and everybody have said, I mean, this is not like a discretionary item, right? This is one that you have to have. Um, and as the town continues to grow, whether it's a college, commercial, or residential, um, the demand is obviously going to be there. And as the chief did not point out, most of our neighboring communities do not have this kind of apparatus, let alone a second one in the bay. And so, um, you know, it really puts our town in a liability. So, um, you know, we wouldn't pay anything until, you know, a couple of years down the road. As I pointed out in my memo, too, we'll continue to invest in the fire, you know, truck, and, you know, as the capital committee this year. Um, the 100000 we'll look at it in the future and see if there's any other cash investments we can at least have in the stabilization account to help offset the situation when it comes up. But um, it's simply the borrowing authorization, the vote tonight, the purchase order, and the true test copy that the town clerk will do tomorrow is what gets the order in, uh, and then they get to work. Thank you. To my fellow Councillor Jones' point, there is no price on saving lives, so I appreciate that you brought this to my attention. It certainly has my support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Councilor Coleman-Ledger. Councilor Chandler. For you, Mr. Chairman. Um, great presentation. Thank you. I appreciate that. You guys really did a good job. Um, and great comments, Councilor Jones and the rest of all of you. I agree with Councilor Hamlin about saving the other truck. Let's just cut that out. Let's keep it. Yep. And, um, and like you said, the bottom line is, this town, we are building up, and we need this. Because everything, nothing's being one story. Everything's, you know, listen to the EDC, they'll tell you. And um, lastly, I don't know, on the memo, it says other funding sources include possible contribution from Dean College. What is that about, Mr. There's a former resident, I think, uh, of Franklin who has sent a few of us emails um, lobbying for Dean College to pay for this. And 
Dean College is not going to pay for this, nor should they pull a full freight. Yeah. As evidenced by the building on the slide, you know, they do own a couple of the buildings, right? Uh, but so do I. Um, I think that um, you know, we certainly, it's not like we're going to go out with a tin cup <laughs> in the intersections and, and ask for change. Um, but I think um, as building continues to go up, as the planning board looks at mitigation of projects, as the ZBA may look at mitigation of projects, or others continue to uh, build in the next few years, you know, maybe um, you know, one of the things we have to think about is um, which you know, we're trying to catch up on the, on the elder facilities to Council Mercer's point earlier, uh, but maybe have that foresight of maybe, you know, maybe there's some donations that can happen through mitigation knowing that those buildings are going to be three, four, five, six stores or whatever. And that goes for commercial businesses as much as residential, right? Um, I think um, Dean College has been a good partner on a lot of things, and this might be somewhere where they may be willing to um, you know, throw a few dollars down the road because they have a vested interest in the building too. They have a lot of kids over there, to the kids' point. Um, and I'm sure they probably feel the same way that all of us do, that really there's no price for that kind of thing. So we have not solicited or asked or really gone out there, but I wanted to put that in there just so that other people knew that there may be some ways to offset some of the cost uh, down the road. Thank you. It's so possible, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank, Thank you, Madam Councilor Chairman. Councilor Pelegri. Uh, through the Chair, I think they just did a wonderful job. This was great that you brought it to us. Well, all your hard work and that, you got it right down to the wire. And now you're going to be busy tomorrow, tonight, whatever, getting this all in so that we get this price. I agree with all of my counselors here that uh, I like the idea of keeping the other truck. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I just think it's such an asset to the town. Can't thank you enough, and thank you all for everything that you do. Thank Good you. luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Plague, Councilor DeLarco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, great questions uh, from all my fellow councilors. Um, kind of, um, I'm kind of in this business, so um, it, it's uh, Councilor Fajello that, that um, I wish that I wish the price would go down. Honest to God, I, wish, yeah. I just haven't seen it, and that I, I wish it would come down because it's crazy the amount of the right. prices. As far as rehabbing it, you're going to get into a lot of trouble rehabbing it because the, the tr you can't get any parts for Detroit anymore anyway. I mean, you're lucky if you can't, and and, um, and you really don't want a Detroit running anymore. I mean, they're out of the business now because they could never, they can't keep up with commissions, so they had to get out of the business. So, um, but as far as a PS unit goes, it's the best fire truck out there, I can guarantee you that. I've been out to Wisconsin, I've toured PS's uh, facility, they do a great job out there. I've also toured Rosenbauer, the Rosa junk is what we call them. I have two of them, I have two of them at the airport. <laughs> they are terrible. So, but Pierce is a real fire truck. That's the way it is, and uh, that—that's the price. That's that's what the price is. And but it's a good fire truck. I can guarantee everybody on this council it's a good fire truck. They make the best fire truck. I I told Osh well, Oshkosh they bought Pierce anyway. So I mean, but in keeping the second truck. We have two old Detroits ourselves that we keep over there. 
just in case they need to go. But he's all stop on anything. They'll run on their own oil. But I mean, yeah, but uh, but um, yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good truck. The price is the price. I'm off. I'm off of this. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Delarco. Shady, I'm not going to repeat what everybody has already said. Beyond, uh, thank you. Thank your administrative team. Thank everyone in the, in the fire department that had any part of doing the work to bring this forward to us with foresight, looking to the future. That's what we need more of. Uh, and I applaud the efforts, and I thank you uh, for all that you've done here and totally uh, support this uh, resolution. So with that, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-14 uh, and a two-thirds majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? One ladder truck on order. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And on behalf of the whole department, we really want to thank all of you for your overwhelming support for this department. Uh, as long as I've been here, I can say that. And beyond that, it really means a lot. I also want to thank the town administrator. And we're getting uh, letters from firefighters throughout the area that want to come to Franklin. And this is just a small piece of the pie of uh, we want to come to a community that supports public safety like you do, and we really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Resolution 23-15, gift acceptance, police department. $315, Clark will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, very happy to read this resolution, 23-15, acceptance of gifts for the police department. Whereas the police department has received generous donations with a total amount of $315 to be used at the discretion of the department as follows. Donation summary, police department gift account, $315. Donations to be applied towards support of community-related programs, assisting with training needs and the purchase of essential equipment for police officers. List of donors is included in the two, uh, February 1st, 2023 Town Council Meeting Agenda Packet. Now therefore be resolved that the Town Council, the Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Police Department, gratefully accepts these generous donations to be used at the discretion of the Department for the purposes noted above. This resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin local Charter. Move resolution 23-15. Second. Motion is second. Discussion. Thank Just everybody for their donations. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you one and all for your continued support. Okay, seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-15, a majority vote's required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-16, my favorite. Uh, cable funds in support of PEG service and programming per Mass General Law, Chapter 44, Subsection 53, F three quarters. Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion and second to waive the reading. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Move resolution 23-16. Second. Motion and the second. 
to uh, move resolution 23-16 discussion. Thank you everybody for their donations. That's donation. Donation. This is. I know. Uh, he's did it on <laughs> Cable rates. Thank you. Know, you donations. To, thank you, Franklin TV. Quickly, Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Chairman, Town Administrator, is it not true that Comcast had, as of the end of last year, raised rates? I don't. I I, I don't know. Oh, no, okay. I do. Yeah, I'm just. I feel like they raise them all the time. Oh. I, I just feel like it's a, it's like the fire truck. It's just a yeah. consistent part of life. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. That's it. Any further discussion? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-16. Majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Town Administrator's Report. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So one uh, big announcement uh, today, formally went out, is our uh, volunteer recruitment. Uh, I know Chris is going to zoom right in, not to my face, but into the sheet. Um, if anyone's interested in serving on the Davis-Thayer Committee, uh, the Master Plan Committee, or the uh, Police Station Building Committee, uh, also members of the Cultural Council, Cultural District Committee, uh, the town blog has a posting. Uh, you can go onto the homepage, franklinma.gov, down to the volunteer button, and uh, you can fill out uh, the forms, and the applications get submitted. There's a deadline of March 3rd, um, so we're giving everybody a fair chance to apply for a month. Um, and certainly, we do take volunteer applications after that date, but I think, as we all agree, Mr. Chairman, we need to move on. Mm -hmm. uh, at least have some cutoff for interested parties. And I, I, the staff didn't tell me exactly when it went out, but I knew when it went out because my inbox started flagging with applications already. So um, there's already a bunch in. So if anybody knows any members of the community, anyone watching at home, uh, you can apply online. And like the notice also says, uh, Julie in my office is available. If you call or email or stop in, uh, if somebody doesn't want to apply online, uh, we're happy to do it for you. Um, the application online is to be in the boarding committee database, but if someone is unable to, they can just call us up. Uh, we'll fill it out for you. We have uh, copies. We'll fill out all the data for you if you don't have a computer. Um, and just wanted to let everybody know. So please spread the word. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Okay, moving on. Subcommittee reports. Uh, the first subcommittee report tonight is uh, Town Administrator's Evaluation Ad Hoc Subcommittee Report. And basically, uh, as everybody's aware, as part of uh, a contract with the town administrator, uh, we're required to do an annual review and provide a written summary of statement uh, of that review. And uh, as, as everybody's aware, when in our election year, uh, that January, we set the two-year goals of which we went through the first year. Uh, we did a town administrator evaluation, and uh, we just reviewed where we were on those two-year goals just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the subcommittee met and uh, wrote a summary of the town administrator's evaluation. I provided a copy to all counselors uh, over the weekend by email. And uh, at this juncture, what I look for is a uh, vote from the uh, council 
to uh, adopt that summary and put it in the town administrator's file. Mr. Chairman, I'd like, like, like to make a motion to um, request the town council to put the town council, I'm sorry, the town administrator's evaluation into his permanent record. Second. second. Motion to second. Discussion. It, this is going to be made public? It's, it's, a, public my, it's a public it's a record. record. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to um, commend the ad hoc committee for adding the extra things that Jamie has done that was not on um, his, uh, was not on the list. For me, one of the top things was was getting those 200 open, those 200 acres of open space that wasn't on our um, to-do list for him that's like five pages long. Um, but I, and I wanted to thank the committee for adding those extra things on to show his dedication. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamburg. Any other comments, questions? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Capital Budget Subcommittee, Councilor Plagrick. We met this evening, Mr. Chairman, and went through all of the, um, the amounts that have been requested. And we voted that. But now we have to wait to, to do anything with the council. We have to do all the resolution in that, correct? It'll be on the February 15th. February. February. Yes. Okay. But it went very well. Thank you, uh, Councillor Pellegrini. Uh, EDC. <laughs> oh, we had a meeting. <laughs> <Did> you? <laughs> we had a, um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. The EDC plus uh, Franklin for All Steering Committee had a meeting last week during um, our you know our normal time on the on the 25th. So and it, we didn't have a council meeting, so we could actually sit longer and discuss um, things. I am extremely proud of the committee and the town staff for the dedication and passion that we've shown over the last 13 months of this project. It has been 13 months already, um, but but who's counting, right? But we did um, agree and move things forward for the that will come to the council. I think maybe next meeting, Jamie, or is it the week meeting after. Doesn't so really matter. For the inclusion about yeah, yeah fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. So we'll be able to discuss that in more depth um, then. But it was um, inclusionary zoning, ten percent starting at ten units or higher. Um, we created a definition to allow for three families to be three family buildings to be built and we've also incrementally increased density by right in areas so we can comply with the MBTA communities and um, continue to get our mass workers grants so it was an incredible meeting we had a lot of really good things done and I think we as this committee has worked with each other I feel like we've really created these um, bonds and friendships that I think can only help um, Franklin going forward with the, with the planning board and the ZBA. And um, we kind of understand each other a lot more now. And, um, and yeah. it was great, right? right? And, and it's been um, incredible and a, a pleasure to work with everyone. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. And having sat in on or at least listened to that meeting along with many of the others, I uh, just want to thank you and the EDC Plus 
uh, committee for all their work to date. And I know there's more coming. <laughs> We're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, budget did not meet. Gatra? No. Uh, future agenda items. Councillor Sherry? Uh, nothing at this time. Councillor Frangillo? Nothing at this time. Councillor Hamlin? Nothing at this time. Councillor Cormier-Lanter? Nothing at this time. Councillor Chandler? Nothing at this time. Councillor Pellegrini? Well, I'm not sure if this is a, an agenda item. I got a letter from a resident that wants to put together um, fans for Franklin uh, families, fans. And um, is that something she'd like to have the council be in support of? So if we need to have support, doesn't it have to be a it would, it would, agenda? Yeah, we, yeah I guess, uh, why, don't, why don't we have uh, the town administrator just speak with them and then see what what the avenue should be. All right. If that's okay. Oh, well, it's fine. Um, and I, then, I uh, think she's already spoken to you. Mary O'Neill? Nope. No? Okay. Fans? F A N S? Yes. Fans? F A N S, yeah. I have not talked to Mary in a while. So okay. I, yeah, she can, she what certainly knows how to get in touch with me. So those people that um, during the summer, the real hot months, um, that she knows of some, her brother being one, had passed away because of the heat. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to get something together to have, and she's talked with the fire department, and maybe have a place to store fans that people could um, donate. Okay. All right, so I think then it would go through you and not through an agenda item. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily okay. need okay. to come through us. That's something Jamie I'll could. give you this paper after the Jamie. Thank okay. you. Great. Uh, Thank you, Councillor Plague. Councillor Jones. No, sir. Councillor Jones. Nothing at this time. Okay, uh, Councillor Comments. Councillor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I will try to be brief considering how late it is. I just can't help but uh, take note of how lucky we are to live in this incredible town. Because you just have to turn on the television right now and you'll see the people of Memphis reeling around an unnecessary death. You can see Governor DeSantis pulling books and funding for DEI, you can just see bad news after bad news after bad news. Yet, we sit here tonight, we're celebrating public safety, we are talking, uh, we can hear through our school department reps all the great work that they're doing to encourage new books and encourage new learning. And I went to the Senior Center yesterday uh, for the monthly Rainbow Cafe meeting uh, and people from other communities came because their towns didn't have anything like that where seniors in the LGBT community can just come together and talk. And Ariel played a video uh, that was done in New York of senior citizens that were, and their coming out story. Uh, and it was incredibly powerful. There wasn't a dry eye in the room to, because we often don't think of seniors and the struggles that they've gone through and what they've seen and where they are now and um, I, I left there feeling really proud of Franklin and really proud that 
we have staff in place that think of these things and that put these programs on for people that might be on the periphery. So I just encourage all of our listeners tonight, you know, turn off the bad news and tune in to us because you're going to feel a little bit more uplifted about the great things going on in our town. Um, and we are all very, very lucky. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Councilor Coney Ledger. Councilor Chandler. Uh, I don't have anything tonight. Thank you. Councilor Pelegri. Well, through you, Mr. Chairman, uh, to go right along with things that you just said, Ted, I want to bring up the Rod and Gun Club. They do a breakfast every second Sunday at the club. Went last month, and it was just fabulous, okay? And it's great to support a group like this that takes part in things here in the town. And um, just to remind people again, it's the second Sunday, which is coming up. Uh, and I believe it starts at 8, Tommy, you might have It is 8 o'clock. It's 8. Okay, okay. Um, and it's $8 for adults, $4 for kids, and it's um, all you can eat. Yeah. And it's just Jeez. wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So um, keep that in mind. And I'd just like to say if there's any other group out there that does something, um, and they want to get in touch with me, I'd be happy to announce it like this, too. I think we can help one another that way. And that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Calabri. Councilor Sheridan. I'll second everything that's been said, and uh, I'll like to say happy Chinese New Year. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Fungel? Yeah, I'm just going to uh, sort of re-highlight the open space and recreation plan process that's going on. There's meetings all spring. Uh, every second or every two Thursdays. Uh, it's a really, really in-depth process. I go online and find the topic by topic, you know, which day it's being covered. And if you can't show up to that specific one, where to give them notes or, or a second day that you can show up to to talk about that specific topic. It's a lot of people working really hard that are gonna shape the direction of our open space and recreation for the next uh, 10 years. So, so tune in and take part in that if you have uh, some things to add. Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Councilor Hamlet. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I have just written down volunteer for all the committees that came, the volunteer came, um, sign up came out in um, today that um, the Ed Town Administrator already spoke about. And um, I just wanted to say um, if you're lucky enough to be able to be indoors on Saturday, please stay inside on Saturday. Um, and stay safe and warm. I think it's going to be pretty tough out there for people if they can't get inside. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Jones. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm going to piggyback on Councilor Hamlin. Hamlin's uh, comment in regards to the cold. The cold. I do. I do highly recommend that anybody um, who has the option, who has the possibility, to check on their elderly neighbors and, and check and just people who may be in need already. Um, it is going to be extremely cold this weekend, dangerously cold. Um, I've worked in these conditions. It's, it's absolutely brutal. It doesn't take very long to get frostbite, so please be careful and, and check on your neighbors um, and, and stay warm. But um, my only other comment I wanted to say was, that, and I kudos to you know, Councilor um, Cormier Ledger in regards to, you're right, this is a great community. We are very fortunate to, to live in this town. And very fortunate to have a great council like this. I want to thank Council Hamlin for doing such a great job as chair of EDC. Um, it, it, it had its its challenges. I, I don't know if many of the councilors <laughs> could, 
tuned into the meetings, but at times it was it was undoubtedly um, challenging, and she 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 fared very well as the chair. Times she only had to throw a gavel once or twice at people, but um, <laughs> mostly you. <laughs> she was next to me, so she could she just have all these directly. bruises on her yeah, on her shins. Look at what she did to me. But um, I just I just wish everyone just uh, please be safe this weekend, and thank you, Mr. Chairman. It was a very good night tonight. Great presentations. Thank you, Councillor Jones. Councillor DeLarco. Um, yeah, kind of everybody kind of just said it. I agree with Council Comey Elijah. I don't even like to watch the news anymore. It's just, just turn it off. Just turn it off. It's, it's the best way to get rid of it. Um, but uh, just have everybody stay safe. This, I mean, you know, this is going to be a cold one. But it's going to warm up fast, so it's going to warm up Sunday. We'll be good. A lot of burst pipes, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm not a plumber though. <laughs> <laughs> Marty Pelagri is your guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, President Delarco. Uh, I have nothing to add, so I would entertain a motion to adjourn. So Second. Non-debatable. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. <clears throat> We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.